it, it's it's great to be in Phoenix in February. Like th- the reason we go there, my me and my forty year old friends, is that like we just want to be out of winter. We want to be in a place where we feel, you know, alive and a little bit of warmth. And wear yeah. your jorts. And wear and, our jorts. And you can open carry on the session. That's like you, you know. You can drink wherever you want. You can skate with a costume. <laughs> What's up, skaters? Welcome back to another fucking amazing episode of Vent City. With us, we... Wait, I realized the last time I didn't introduce myself. Anyways, I'm Ted Schmitz from Queens, New York, and... (laughs) That sounds weird. (laughs) Whatever. King of Queens, baby. All right. I'm I'm Paul Blart, and and with us, we have soon-to-be-retired Roosevelt University professor Kyle Beachy. We have Skate Like a Girl's executive director and Nike shoe designer, Tristan Ebling. (laughs) And we have exposure skate announcer slash (laughs) esteemed writer, Alex White. And we have, much like Kurt Vonnegut, a science fiction fantasy writer. Oh, writer, Ryan Lay. (laughs) Well played. How did I do? <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, my All God. All right. Uh, coming out of a slam-packed, action-packed, action-smacked summer of events from a street league, I think, Dime, <laughs> and the Wheels of Fortune extravaganza, we've had a bananas busy summer and fall. And what we're going to do here today is to talk about why there are so many skateboard events and why the good ones are good and maybe about why the bad ones are bad. We'll see. Might have to cut that for time. But I'm excited to see you guys again and you are freshest off it. So I want to ask, uh, starting with Kristen, how are you doing after WAF? <laughs> um, like just now, I feel recovered. The event was like <laughs> the beginning of September and it's like the beginning of November and I'm finally not like... <laughs> in a funk about it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know. So exhausted for quite a while there. Yeah. You but made I'm it through the fog now. of war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically it was a lot. It was exhausting. Yeah. And this was 11. Yes, sir. Well, brought welcome it back. back. After- yeah. I was at my, um, therapy appointment like the week before WAF and I was like, I don't know. I'm just really stressed. Like we haven't done the event in like two years. And she goes, when was the last event? Sorry to cut you off. And I was like, uh, May of 2019. She's like, honey, you haven't run this event for like three years and four months. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, it had been a while. And, yeah, we added a whole last day because, I don't know, me and my friends are just real ambitious. A um, lot of ideas. And we didn't want it to feel squished. So we were like, Psh, just add a day. That'll be the solution. Um, fun fact, it was not. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, we did we did the thing. Yeah, were you guys fried by the end? I was like four days is like I was fried on Saturday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it started on Thursday. So I got through two days, which is not bad. Two out of four. Um, 
didn't make it to skate the contest on Sunday. <laughs> I was there, but I was just in my car watching my friend's live stream of it from Instagram. <laughs> I was so tired. I went in. Such a baller yeah. Move. Yeah. yeah. I went in for a little bit and hung out and skated around a little bit, but I was like, I'm so tired. I got like four hours of sleep the night before and I've been working and lifting and like, m like moving event tables. Like, I don't know. I never want to like, move an event table again like open it and or close it and or put it in my car yeah yeah i've retired <laughs> alex you too survived waff and a concussion oh that was earlier in the year god this 2022 has been four years long yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's the longest year i think of my life so far but yeah that was back in may uh tried to drop it on the garfield wall and slammed on my face but now Thrasher follows me, so it was totally worth it, man. <laughs> if you could have just texted me if you wanted that, I could have saved you a hospital trip. Swedish Medical Center is dope, though. They reduced my bill from three thousand to seven hundred bucks, so that was cool. Shout out Swedish. Wow. Swedish is great. They're great. Medical center. Got to respect the Swedish healthcare. I can't imagine any of our listeners don't know what WAF is, but for the, the one skater out there that lives in a cave, can we get just like a brief summary of what WAF entails? Yeah, sure. Um, so Wheels of Fortune is an event that I started when I was a teenager because I had the experience as a young person going down to California and skating events. And that was in like the, I don't know, mid to late 2000s. And um, you know, seeing women's events just kind of be like a sideshow and kind of be at like eight in the morning and they just kind of sucked and the prize money was like nothing. And I remember kind of coming back home and being like, dude, I want to do an event. Like I could do better than these fuckers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I just wanted to make like a funny kind of tongue in cheek, like not super serious contest that just like brought the community together. And that was kind of the impetus. Um, and then just kind of over the years, it's sort of evolved into more and more days of events. Um, Kind of the first thing we added was the witch hunt, which was kind of like, you know, I knew everybody was coming into town the day before and I wanted to like make something fun happen for everybody that wasn't a contest that everybody and their dad or their, you know, friend that just started skating or their brother that tagged along could all participate in. And so I'd always been a fan of like King of the Road and um, in Seattle, we did all city showdown for years through 35th North, our skate shop. So it was kind of a combination of both things, like a one day kind of scavenger hunt around the city for everyone to have fun. And then just, again, like added different parties and events. And so kind of fast forward to this year, we did four days of events and had a three on three basketball tournament to video premieres to karaoke parties, a no doubt cover band, little contests, you know, scavenger hunt, just kind of, you know, any ideas people threw out, you know, um, we do a brainstorming meeting every year and like, you know, I think I don't know. I looked back at the notes after the event. And I was like, damn, we actually implemented a lot of the ideas. So it's definitely the goal is for it to be kind of like for the community, by the community. Like, I don't know, all the homies from Unity and there were uh, there to lead the queer and trans skate jam, for instance. Um, you know, different people were premiering their videos. Nicole House went pro. So it's kind of like um, I hope it's like sort of like a space um, in the year where if there's something big for women in trans skateboarding, people can be like, oh yeah, we'll do it at WAF. Um, so that's kind of the future of it. But yeah, that's what Wheels of Fortune is. Hopefully that was a good overview. I yeah. think as far as like recipes for having a great event is you you really got to have a surprise going pro. 
Mm. Yes. I think, I think These Nicole's, days, par for the course. Nicole's surprise going pro was probably my favorite one in the last several years. That was really, really good. Like I, I've, I, I do not hesitate to say that that's my favorite skateboard content in the world are going pro surprises. And that one was exceptional. They um, really killed it. Yeah, they killed Pulled it. out all the stops. Parents it. there, friends, girlfriend flying in from Europe. Yeah. yeah, Nora got the tattoo on her arm of the logo. She had to wear long sleeves for two days. <laughs> Wait, Nora had the tattoo before she went? Yeah, of Nora, like the Wednesday of before. Nicole's graphic? She's wearing all these like long sleeve shirts. It's like 80 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit out. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Respect the dedication. Alex, what was your, how many have you been to? You have a really good attendance record. Yeah, I think I may have close to perfect attendance, but I had a couple years where I had babies children so there was, <laughs> yeah um i would say i've been to seven or eight out of the 11 as far as i've been paying attention to for three of them it seemed humongous how did it stack up to years past i just gotta give credit to Kristen because the first one she did in december in this like really crappy indoor park and like i don't know why you decided to do it in december because <laughs> it's <laughs> funny like, i wanted people to come to seattle for a fucking event and it was like snowy and shitty out <laughs> I just thought and that was she, funny. I don't know why. She made all the trophies. They were Barbie dolls in van slip-on shoes that she spray painted gold and then like wrote like, you won like bullshit <laughs> prizes. <laughs> and there was like 20 of us there. And then um, there's a massive snowstorm. I remember in the first or second one. But yeah, I think from like looking from that to now, um, Waffle Oven's like the most amazing one. Every year they, they're like, every year it's the best weekend of your life. Period. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like the thing that made me think about the show is like, I didn't realize that Waff had a real contest at the end or that it had roots in a real contest. I know about it from like the witch hunt stuff because that's always seemed like the most fun, you know, I don't know. I think the the fun shit is, is what matters. How does, I don't know, I guess like, how do you feel? Do you feel like the witch hunt has like taken over some of the, like the focal, like is like kind of the focal point of the event now? It's like the load bearing element. Yeah. In a way. I mean, the thing about the weekend is like there's so many different things. There's like panelists and speakers and workshops and networking, you know, and for some people that might be their highlight. And then there's just more casual sessions that are sort of more impromptu. There's a queer and trans jam. There's so many different things. So I feel like different people could have different highlight moments, you know, throughout the weekend, I guess. But I would say the witch hunt's probably like my favorite and you know, a lot of people's favorite part of the weekend. For me this year, though, it was like a little bit overwhelming because I actually ended up working a lot more than I did at the last WAF just because we had a lot, a lot of new staff this time around. And like, it was pretty stressful because we did it in September instead of May. And so going through a whole summer of events and programs and trying to plan it was like a lot. So I think for me, I didn't have like as much fun this year. It was definitely more like overwhelming. Um, but I had a lot of fun the first two days because those were more casual and less like work work. But the witch hunt's yeah. kind of the thing that I run. Like I announce all the teams, give out the bags, all that stuff, collect the score sheets, award the winners, things like that. So, yeah. Is there but is yeah. there a legitimate tally of the points? Yes. Everyone, it is the honor system though. Like everybody fills out a scorecard and then they turn it in. And it's kind of, this year was like a little bit of a bummer. Like a lot of people right after I gave out all the badge and stuff, I'm trying to get my team together, figure out where we're going. And people were coming up to me constantly being like, so it's like the honor system. Like they're like asking me about the rules. I'm like, please just go <laughs> yeah. have fun. Please yeah, yeah, just go have fun. They were like, did not get it. And they were like, wait, so like, 
you know, how many people do we get on this? I'm like, just grab your team, just go have fun, just read it, interpret yeah, it how you I want. Can I kiss the same person twice? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Dude, exactly. And then um, we got the winner back and I looked at all the sheets. I found the one with the highest number and then I'm like, hey, you guys won. Here's a box of deluxe product. It wasn't like money. It wasn't anything like Epic. It was just like skate gear, you know? And I gave it yeah. to them. And I had people literally coming up to me and my staff just like yelling at us. I got DMs about it. Like people were pissed. And so I kind of like had to laugh, you know, I at first I'm like, Formula dude, you guys, fours. yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's definitely gotten a little bit bigger than I'd want it to be. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this yeah, year, yeah. like people were stressing, like what team they get on and like everything like, but, but at the end of the day, the majority of people got it and they had fun. It was only yeah, just yeah, a yeah. few people that didn't really get it. That really took it dead serious that had like seen it online for years. And then there was the yeah. pandemic and they'd been wanting to go and they kind of brought this like, I don't know, yeah. energy that was just Winning not very attitude. fun to- be the customer service representative through, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm glad yeah. they had a good time. They took it seriously and good for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's <laughs> four skaters, four young skaters from Europe and they've never been to a contest like this before and they all and they're all like under 18 and they all got WAF tattoos. Like that's their <laughs> it's everyone's like first like they're their favorite event that they get tattooed on them, <laughs> which is like crazy. <laughs> that's kind of like the thing though. Like you're allowed to you're allowed to drink in Europe when you're 18. So like you're allowed to get a tattoo at WAF when you're 17, if you're European. Yeah, totally. That was the rules <laughs> in the parking lot with the guy that was giving them out of the back of his Tacoma. Normal, yeah. normal oh Seattle. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. We need to add that to the list of like security tasks. It's no longer just like, Hey guys, can we get some koozies on those beers? It's like, Hey bro, giving out tattoos. Let's chill on that. I don't even know if you wash your hands. Um, probably shouldn't be tattooing people. Thank you. You have gloves? No, I dump Rainier on them after every tattoo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, in the spirit of, of fake events, our soon-to-be retired tenure professor also spent some time traveling for a fake event. I don't know if I'm done with WAF, but I'm moving it somewhere. <laughs> Kyle, you went to Canada to see a fake event and uh, it was it looked pretty cool from the videos that I saw after. How was your time at Dime's Glory Challenge? Um, yeah, Dime was Dime was rad, Ted, as as you well know, because you were there, um, and you were. I was loosely there. You were. I don't know if you guys. I don't. You know. I think by now a lot of people know Ted, um, <laughs> but like I've never seen Ted as. Uh, like just joyful and on as I saw him at this weekend in Montreal during Dime Glory Challenge. It was a treat, I think I should say first and foremost, to watch you like do your thing. Um, <laughs> because you were you were sort of like you were sort of working. You were sort of on the clock. Um, but certainly not in the way that Kristen just described and certainly not in the way that <laughs> Alex is about to describe about Street League without any sort of fans in a weird I said an NDA. I can't talk about Street League. MMA or whatever respect. <laughs> arena. Um, yeah, no, I mean Dime was incredible. Like, you know, everyone everyone sees Dime. Um I think there was more, I was super overwhelmed after Dime, like seeing all the footage. Like I found it to be like, it was by far the most covered event that I've ever been part of. So it was, it like created this weird sort of echo where you leave there and then you just keep seeing the same clips of the few days that you spent there. Um, but yeah, no, my experience at Dime was incredibly wonderful. I'm really happy I went. Uh, I was really salty about not getting into the VIP section of the, the, 
stands for a bit because I wasn't among the high caliber like bloggers who I was skating with. What was the criteria prior- for the VIP section? At, at you get, you just had to work for now. Village Psychic. You had to be down with Village <laughs> oh. Psychic and you got into VIP or you had to be Ted. Um, uh, I actually got in as a member of the recap, not as, as a Thrasher employee. <laughs> <laughs> So. No, I mean, Dime, Dime was exceptional. I'm very happy I went. Um, you know, you see a thing enough, and then, like we were just saying with Waff, like, it's it's strange to be there. Like, it's overwhelming to be there. Um, it's it, it, was, it was a super, super rad and fun um, few days, and I stayed at the – I just happened to stay at the hotel where all of the skaters stayed, so I, like, stumbled in from the airport, and they were having their, Was it their, the like, Universal Hotel? Universal um, no, it was called, oh, I don't know what it was called. Was but it like, downtown I or was it like right next to the arena? Oh, no, it was, it was right next to Dime. It was like on the end of that pedestrian like oh. street that they had closed off. Yeah. Um, the Mill Ave of Montreal yeah, for, for, sure. uh, for the one person in this group who will understand that reference. <laughs> but yeah, like I wasn't planning on seeing Bun B. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on a lot of, I wasn't planning on riding in an elevator with Dennis Buznitz and like, um, I wasn't planning on any of it. Like I didn't know how it was going to go and it ended up just being like a treat beyond treats. And you know, the, the fact is, is that that as a spectator event, they, they put on an incredibly, um, successful like spectacle. It was just an absolute like sensorial overload. It was like audibly insane. It was visually just like candy to look at. Um, and then, you know, it was aside from like the bathroom lines were long. There was impossible to get any food. Um, and you know, there was a pretty serious section of it where I just couldn't really see anything. Um, it was like, I don't have a, a, a single complaint. It was, it was incredibly rad to be there. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Sorry for the sincerity. It just really, it was <laughs> like, just really, it, it was just a really incredibly wonderful time. Like, I don't, I don't really have anything funny to say about it except that like, I think people should go. Like, it sounds like the plan is to kind of maybe take a little hiatus and maybe not do the sort of big Montreal event in the future. I don't know, but I, I got the sense. Because, you know, the other thing about these events is they're just like full of hearsay and rumor. Like yeah. when you're you're either in on it or you're sort of like on the peripheral like Jupiter rings of various kind of, oh, I heard this or like, oh, people are going here. Um, and generally that stuff sort of stresses me out. Like I don't, I don't do super well with like being semi in on things and semi out on things. But at dime, it was sort of just like, so the whole thing is just so wonderfully ridiculous that like, you don't feel like you're missing out on things. Like when you can't get into the club where, you know, everyone is, it's okay. Like you don't feel like you're, you're somehow slighted or anything, but back to the point, like it sounds like they might be doing a sort of roving dime in the future. I don't know if that's going to happen, but the, the sort of dime on an Island. Dime on an island, <laughs> like, like one of those like, on Gulf demand. State yeah. islands that they build, yeah. <laughs> just a floating, uh, yeah, a flotilla yeah. Out on the on the uh, beaches <laughs> outside of Huntington Beach. I, I definitely heard they weren't doing it every year, and I was like inspired. Yes, yeah. WAF will yeah. also yeah. not be every year anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, yeah, no, and there's something to that, right? 
There's something too, like, you know, of the many things the pandemic taught us is like things are more special if you have a little bit of time away. Um, and yeah. so I could see that. I could see dime being something that thrives every other year. I will say this, man, and I don't mean to talk shit, but well, I do. But like, I, this is my first time in the dime shop like actually going in the shop. Like to me, they've existed as this online entity, but like yeah. going there and going into the shop, um, you know, there's a real debate about like how much of a b boutique a skate shop should be and how much a skate shop should feel like a skate shop. Like those dime guys are, do some of the coolest things in the world. And I just got to say, like I... I didn't love walking into the shop. I didn't walk into the shop and feel like, oh, yes, fucking yeah. This is where all the, the humor comes from. And this is it just felt like a very straight laced kind of high end boutique -y place, which to me totally caught me off guard because I think of them as just like the denizens of humor and and other energies, other vibes. So yeah, I guess I never thought of that. It is really yeah. interesting. How, like, I feel like their brand, like, if you didn't know about, like, the Glory Challenge or, like, the other funny commercials they've done or whatever, it is, like, kind of serious. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah. it's very yeah. fashionable and, like. It's a very serious place. Like, yeah. yeah you know, that like, kind of adds to, like, why it's pretty funny, the <laughs> shit that they do. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, the elite boutique on the Cool Avenue is like actually repeating people's names over and over in their videos and like catching fish in the river, like with their bare hands. Like, right, right. What the fuck? I will say that Montreal seems like, a, like, I really look forward to going back to Montreal. It's so like, sick. if nothing else, that like the Dime Glory Challenge like sold me on the city and it made me want to go back and spend months in Montreal. I love it there. Also, like, it's, they have like, I don't know. You do a thing to like the workers that are like, fuck you, we're on strike. <laughs> like they have like <laughs> sick like rent control and like they're sick. I would love to live there. Yeah. Yeah. This is anti-worker of me, which I usually am. You know, I'm management now. Uh, <laughs> but the customer service you get in Montreal is bottom notch. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> and multiple times that I or anyone in my party asked for mustard, there was a new reason why it was just not going to be possible. <laughs> it, it was, I have, I've never seen a more mustard phobic service industry in my life. Uh, where like, I thought people were kidding. I was like, Oh, okay. You guys got in a little bit before me. How was it? And they're like, Oh, it was cool. Dinner was okay. They wouldn't let me get any mustard on my sandwich though. The guy just straight up told me no. And then another one of my friends, they were like, oh, you know, at a sort of like deli kind of grocery kind of operation. And they're like, yeah, do you have yellow mustard? And they were like, ah, you know, I could check, but I don't really think so. And it's like kind of seems like a normal thing you would just have in a bottle right next to you. But whatever. And then on my way out of the city, I got like a veg, a roasted vegetable sandwich. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, but I don't eat mayo. Could I get just mustard on it? And he was like, what kind of mustard? I was like, just, you know. <laughs> Yellow? Like, I don't know, Dijon, you're French. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, literally either or, like, it doesn't matter. Just something for, like, some flavor. And he just looks at me and he's like, you don't want to do that. I made these vegetables. Like, I roast them. I put spices on them. Like, you do not want to do that, man. I was like, all right. <laughs> 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 Sorry to hear that happen to you, Ted. You're, you're like, don't you know I'm an American and I need to put a pound of salt on all of my meals? <laughs> yeah. I was like, in the U.S., people just let me ruin my food <laughs> like, you know in private <laughs> yeah um 
Montreal was a great city. I almost didn't survive it. But I don't know. There's there's this thing that I think made. I mean, obviously, I'm a wrestling fan, but I think what what makes Dime and the Witch Hunt why I think so many people gravitate towards those events. I'm separating the Witch Hunt from Woff because I know that there's an actual contest on the tail end of Woff. But there's this thing about fake contests that you take seriously that I think are really important. And I think you know, Ryan, like Tempe Halloween back home. It's like there's no money. There's just like, I guess maybe clout, but like there's something about the fake contest that the people engaging in it take seriously, you know, in a sort of kayfabe way makes the best events. Because like, I don't think that people have the same excitement and attitude towards, you know, forgive me, but like Vance Park series or any kind of more straightforward competitions. And I don't know if you guys feel like we're like post contest or whatever, but I feel like there's not the same. Like, I feel like this, this like fake theatrical game we're playing is like necessary for a good event. I don't know if that's, that's true or not, but how, how, how do you guys feel about the fake contest versus the real contest? I will open the floor to Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I have thoughts, but I've been talking a lot. I think Ryan should talk. (laughs) Ryan's done both. Ryan got third place at Phoenix Sam in 2005. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Sorry. I've got a howling uh, husky in the background. Um, The thing that I'll say is that when I see the new layouts of the street league parks, I just think to myself, this is not even what I want to see the best skaters in the world skating. Like they had the one long rail, the one that Jamie Foy front crooked the whole thing. And I was like, that's a cool thing to see. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, what if we put an Adam McNatt ramp on the end of that rail what, <laughs> yeah, what like, can I should do then you know so I yeah I just whereas like with dime like there is a part of me that thinks they're gonna hit their limit maybe one day where it's like well we did all the exciting things that you'd want to see on a skateboard you know but like the when I saw photos of the rainbow rail I was like that's just genius like incrementally yeah. larger rainbow rails <laughs> until you're just like 15 feet in the air is just incredible <laughs> Um, but and i heard too that they would only have it for a certain thing for a certain amount of time because very choreographed and then like the um they would like bring it out and then it would be like another 30 minutes and they bring it out or like 10 minutes like i don't know and i guess they like choreograph the whole thing like the day before like they run the whole event so it's very like rigid in that way but it's so ridiculous yeah, yeah, having the worker, the workers that look like uh, Willy Wonka warehouse minions. workers. Yeah, his name is Brian. Even yeah, having lore around it too is sick. You know. Yeah. Well, I I think just I mean what we're talking about is theatricality, right? Like what we want from a contest is acknowledgement that this is this is a show, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. like you know when the one street league I did attend, like what really got me were was the moment when. It was at USC. I don't know. It was like 2015, I guess. Um, And like the lights went down and the Jumbotron came on. And it was like a little hint of like the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was like, oh shit, this is awesome. Like, this is rad. There's like, there wasn't a smoke machine, but there could have been. And it like that, that seems to me to be 
I think what anyone wants from a skate contest is a little bit of like, like go ahead, like be spectacular, be silly. Like what Dime brings to it is then all of that plus irony, right? And that's that's just like an like a, a, an untoppable combination. Um, but you know, like to Kristen, your point, like it's. It's pretty, it's pretty like incredible when you're watching people skate like a four high rainbow rail and then you see the fifth one like getting set up on the side and then you know it's coming and like it's not it. It's not like there's suspense to it, but there is just this sort of communal joy that like, oh, we're still in this. This is going to keep escalating. We're part of this ridiculous performance and, you you know, you're wrapped up in it. And I think like, you know, contests that don't feel good are the contests or the events that um, take themselves with s- such seriousness that they don't allow any sort of space for you to enter in and have it be your own thing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think the thing that like, feels so corny or I don't know, not enjoyable to watch or listen to is when certain contests try to pretend like this is just like street skating. Like you'll see these obstacles in the streets. Like, well, it just makes it so like, no, it's not like make this like the basketball of skateboarding, please. Like, that's what I want to see. Like I want it to look ridiculous. I just feel like they, I don't know, try to like relate it too much back to like real skateboarding, quote unquote. And it's just like so fundamentally not, it could just, I agree with you, Kyle. It just got to be more of a spectacle, like to be interesting. And the irony in that is that, you know, if you watch a Nigel video part, he's not skating an eight star rail, he's skating a 20 rail. And part of me is like, <laughs> yeah. these guys are down to skate a 20 rail. Put a 20 rail in street leg. <laughs> yeah. Have them start with a 20 rail and see what they're capable of doing. Yeah. You know, it's it's not as if that they're they're like too scared to do that, but uh, yeah, I do think that it's like yeah, make it make it as spectacular as possible. I I also want to commend the bunt guys for throwing what seemed like a really fun event. Too. Oh that my was, god, that yeah, that was very well done. Oh well yeah, executed for a, what I think was a first time event for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would commend them, but they added sports to skating, so I reject it on the premise. <laughs> 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 Well, what, what I realized is I'm like, if you start him at 20, maybe it's kind of hard to get up there. But the ever growing nature of, you know, a, an obstacle, you know, we we had done this. Uh, we I don't take any credit for it. But, at, you know, at Tempe, we just one year just added flat bars, you know, see how far people could board slide. And there's something about there's kind of like a, a narrative there or something where it it just is like, how far are you going to go? Like, we'll just find out. And the, it's like you've people fall and goof up and and something about that kind of structure is necessarily lends itself to some excitement you know whereas like if you're already stuck at you know an eight stair you're just like oh i hope they like flip in right um <laughs> yeah i don't know i i think that's like a huge part of it too is like the the story and the spectacle is like built into the you know eventually you get to a point where somebody's going to get fucked like i don't know or you don't really <laughs> want people to get hurt but uh yeah, I don't know. And the same goes for the witch hunt. It's like, yeah, you just at you could just keep adding weirdo challenges and as long as they're like kind of at the 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 peak of somebody's, you know, ability, it doesn't really matter if it's a 20 stair or a 10 stair or a zero stair. It's like to see where the person is like engaging with it. As long as they're committing to the bit, it's like pretty good entertainment. Alex, can I ask you a question? How much do you feel like 
it's your task as an announcer to bring that sort of energy to it. Like, what it, what do you see as your role as an announcer? If if that's not too ridiculous of a question. No, no. Um, so the role of the announcer is always to give context to what's going on. Um, so it's not necessarily to like name the tricks, but it's to be like, oh, like a a heel flip is when you kick off with your heel. So it's you know, some people can do those more naturally than kickflips, but sometimes it's scored higher. You know, it's just like you kind of give context to what may happen with this and why it's different and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fail to do that constantly. <laughs> I feel like you're the... That sounds like a lot of work. I feel like you always made me laugh. Like, I was watching the recap of the most recent street league that was in Vegas, which looked like a pinball course. Like, it was so small yeah. and... People were like, like Pamela Rosen was like running into like rail. Like it was yeah. intense and they had these little small water bottles <laughs> and they're like small course. We got the small water bottles or something. <laughs> I busted up laughing. Thanks. But thanks, Cavs. I'm glad that you, you got that line. I feel um, like, yeah, you throw yeah. some funny stuff in there. I try to talk about their outfits too. Cause it's like, nobody talks about the outfits and I'm like, the outfits <laughs> are important. They're very important. <laughs> they're yeah. not, not important. Not not um, You should make a point to remind the audience always that if it's switch, it's twice as hard and it gets twice as many points. <laughs> There's this really funny thing that's like um, this really well-mannered young man from Southern California has created like skate statistics. And, and uh, it's a real bummer. Data, it's like it's like not dumb data. It's like data. And it's like. And some of the data was completely useless. It was like, you know, like 99% of the women's competitors are doing regular tricks. 1% is doing switch. And then they like want us to repeat that. I'm like, that doesn't matter. It's not a, <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? And then, and then I was reading some of the data. Like I was looking at the data sheet with like Vincent Malou and like Jamie Foy sitting behind me. And then Vince is like, Jamie, check this out. You frontside crooks. For three minutes last season, like it had the amount of time that he had frontside crooks. And he's like, oh he's like, that's kind of sick. Like, <laughs> how does he stack up to Funa? Who's front crooking more? I don't know. Funa, I think more now. <laughs> uh, he's, not, he's moved over to the fakie switch feeble or fakie feebs, whatever you mm-hmm. call that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should put on that data sheet that Vincent Malou is like the French Jamie Foy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is one uh, of the ones that actually makes it fun to watch the men's. Like, Oh, he's great. Yeah. Oh, I enjoy I, Vincent Malou skating. Yeah. I, yeah. He's a he's a, he's a great French guy. Pleasure uh, to have I, in class. <laughs> pleasure to have in class. Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know if you get you could tell me this, Alex, but what is more fun? <laughs> a, a a witch hunt or a street league? A witch hunt is more yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I find that to be I mean I guess we're not measuring fun stressful? at those things uh, Wheels of Fortune is more stressful than Street League <laughs> oh there's so much more happening at WAF it's like yeah it's like too much yeah I at Street League Whatever I step into one little role it's like sit down talk and then Wheels of Fortune is like I, like I feel like I'm you know invested in I gotta do good for Kebs like I gotta like get, <laughs> rent the big van and drive these fools around and I gotta get wigs and I gotta like you know, it's, but it's, I, you know, it's for the community. So it's way more rewarding. Yeah. And no blonde wigs. That's like I, off the table. We got, we got some blonde wigs. I got blonde and black and white. That seems, that seems against the, the four non-blondes ethos. <laughs> I should have. Ted, speaking of that, I have an anecdote. Yes. I would love to hear it. Okay. So at Wills of Fortune 10, 
I had sort of seen on Instagram stories that like Leo Baker and like Vanessa Torres and some people were like listening to the Ford on Blonde song, What's Up, which is, you know, the classic song. And so uh, my friend Kim that I work with at Slag, we were kind of like, I was in the back room and she was like DJing or whatever. And I saw that it was like Vanessa and Leo's like run during the contest. And I was like, yo, let me get the, like your phone. Let me change a song or whatever. And she's like, okay. And then she changed the song. And then I start that song, um, you know, and it starts out with that little guitar lick that's like super slow and super boring. And Kim comes to me, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, we need to play like R&B or something. We need to put like TLC or like salt and pepper on. Like, this is ruining the mood. And I'm like, no, just wait. And then everyone started <laughs> singing the song when the chorus came on. Um, and it was like a moment and the whole crowd was singing. And so anyways, I had this idea in my back pocket for the last like three and a half years. I wanted to bring that song out in a really big way. And so I like grabbed Kim during the contest and I was like, hey Kim, okay, I really need you to like ham it up. But like, I want you to be like, hey, this has been like a really hard challenging year. And you know, for people in our, you know, in our country or like something like that. And then be like, you know, we need everyone to rise right now and stand for the national anthem. Literally everyone in the fucking room, Alex can attest, we were like booing and like, ooh, and like people were like turning around and like walking out the door and then we like played the Ford on Blonde song. And then everyone was just like God. dying. It was pretty good. I'm glad that worked it was out. Great. That was probably was my favorite moment. moment of WAF, to be that honest. That was my favorite moment, too. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's amazing. So um, what's, what's the recipe? Like, what makes the event, like, if we were to build an event from scratch, mm. what is the recipe as it exists, and what are the things that we haven't yet seen yet that um, an event could bring that would be maybe a good direction for things to go? Well, I have I have one thought, which is that, it feels like contests themselves are getting worse and the events that are driving sponsors and bringing in a lot of money and resources are basically like curating a great social media moment. Like if mm -hmm. I watched the bunt yeah. contest, which ended up on sports center or you watch the dime glory challenge, which probably also ended up on sports center, <laughs> you know, like the, the thing is like, yeah, you do the epic, a moment and then everyone films it and it's everywhere instantly mm -hmm. and no one remembers who won anything or, or what even happened um, and then for contests it's like you know they're like canceling park series or they canceled park series street league seems more boring than ever but probably has like a little bit of I don't know I feel like with with a couple of people doing like additional commentating like Joa and stuff it, it's driving some viewers who watch it almost to like hate watch it um, mm -hmm. but yeah, and then with WAF, you have like a, a uh, an event that is is like for it's for the spectator, right? You're not you're not yeah. there to watch; you're there to like participate in it, you know. So that's something to think about. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like you're like things are polarizing a little bit, which is like contests yeah. are getting more boring. The the spectator events are getting more epic, but they're also just about kind of like a few key moments. And then you have events like WAF that are like play out over a few days. Um, but from the outside, I, I do kind of feel like if you're not at WAF, it can be a little hard to follow, you know, like what is exactly happening on the day to day or like the recap is a little harder to follow, right? Titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Titles. Yeah. No, I, the, the one we haven't talked about yet is that like that the fucking awesome event with the 
the car. Oh, and I just think of like Jake Anderson's kickflip. Been a lot of cars. I was like literally at every fucking event this summer. <laughs> yeah, you were. Great attendance, Alex. Van show, Showdown, I hosted Jackalope, I hosted all the SLSs, and I um, judged WAF. But I think Ryan's got a good point here. It's like, who is, it's like, who is this for right now, right? Is it to break the internet, or is it for the person attending, or is it for the skaters in it? And where do those boundaries cross over between like the spectator, participant, you know, and uh, I don't know. I think that like a lot of events, a great writer, Ted, once told me uh, all writing is tension and release and all events too are tension and release. And there's there's just some events where you don't feel any tension at all. You don't yeah. really care. You're not invested in it. And so who cares what happens? And sometimes that can be like a chill vibe, like Van Showdown. It was like no one cared. They were just putting on a demo for people at the Van's um, U.S. Open of Surfing. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like that. It was like, you know, but I think Dime was like the perfect tension and release. It was like, let's build it up more. Let's build it up more. Are they going to die? Like, let's see. Like, that's like the a volcano epitome. Yeah. And then yeah. a volcano. Like, release. Come on. Re like foam release <laughs> and fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's totally. what they like do the sports center recap moments. It's all that like tension and release moments. And if they if there's not one that's naturally cultivated within the narrative of the event. You can't manufacture it. It's just a dead event. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that uh, Ryan, you are considering <laughs> facilitating, organizing, <laughs> structuring uh, an event from scratch. Yeah, but, so I've been kicking around an idea that I've had for the last year that I'm hopefully going to execute—not plan, but execute for. Uh, end of February, which will be a, a kind of tempe version of Copenhagen or a, uh, it'll be similar to WAF, but obviously won't have the same angle that is, you know, WAF is for, uh, it's for guys like me. Yeah. yeah it, think, uh, men's rights, Heads. uh, WAF. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking Arizona would do that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but, but the thing that I realized in going to Copenhagen is that, uh, a lot of people are really excited to come, but then the events themselves, there's, there's too many people and you can't really see anything that's going on. So what ends up happening is that people just kind of splinter off and go do their own things. Obviously that happens at pushing borders. It happens at WAF. Um, and I think is kind of the allure of why we visit these things in the first place is that, yeah, it's cool to see Cyrus Bennett do a perfect kickflip on a quarter pipe, but also I'm going to see that friend that I haven't seen in a year, you know, or two years, and we're going to go skate and, you know, go to a bar afterwards or something. Um, so, and the upside to Arizona being that there's no events in winter because no one mm -hmm. has a nice winter climate, um, but here in Southern California. So I'm kind of like loosely planning a four day participant event, um, that will just include kind of skating parks, skating street spots. And then each night will end with a panel discussion or some sort of a premiere or an art show. And basically it will be like a, almost a, uh, tourism event for checking out the Phoenix skate scene, um, which I feel like Phoenix is a, is a place that a lot of people want to visit, I would hope. And I think that 
with Tempe Halloween gone, there's like a little bit of a gap for people that are looking for a fun participatory event. Because Phoenix Sam is, is great and Cowtown does a good job with it. But again, it's like for the contest crowd. It doesn't drive the same kind of people who would want to go to Copenhagen or go to WAF. So mm-hmm. I'm actually curious and I felt like maybe it would be fun on the show that we could just kind of crowdsource some ideas for what people look for in an event like that and what, um, I don't know, things that we could add to it, you know? I think it sounds great. First of all, I just think like regionally, um, what happens with everybody is they get really burnt out right about now from the events. And in fucking three weeks, everybody's like, okay, where are we going next? Mm -hmm. And if you put something in the middle of January or February in a place like Phoenix, that's generally easy, accessible for just that baseline entry level, you get a ton of people turning out because they want to be a part of it. They want something that's accessible. They want something that they can go skate. They want something affordable. It's, it's great. Yeah. And the thing that we already have happened here, like, you know, Kyle and his crew of guys come, but it's people have, have been dealing with the winter for three, four months at that point. They're looking to go escape and just skate a skate park in the sun. So that will be mm-hmm. kind of building on that energy that already exists, which a lot of people just come and visit in, in, uh, the end of January, February time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the idea of like gathering people to just skate a spot and that's like the point of it. There's like nothing else. <laughs> like maybe yeah. like snacks and like water, or, like a shady area for people to like chill. But I also think to Alex's point, like people are pretty burnt out on events and there's so many events that are like dime where there's going to be like a crazy spectacle or like waff. There's going to be 700 activities. Like I think just like curating hanging out for people with like different locations for hanging, I think is like a really cool idea because the idea will be to just come and relax. It's like a skate vacation in a way that's already yeah. like pre-planned for them. So it's kind of like you just show up and people are going to be there and there's no expectation and you're just kind of hanging out. I think it's cool. Cause I think what turns a lot of people off from events are either like they're burnt out cause they're going to so many freaking events or like there's some sort of like spotlight on them. Like they have to have something like interesting to say or like do or a cool trick or they got to get a clip or it's like, people are on the microphone, like yelling things. Like, I I don't know, like what you're totally going for, but to me, that sounds really appealing to just go somewhere and just show up at a place and just exist. Like that (laughs) sounds really fun. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Something that I actually really appreciated with Copenhagen was how loose the schedule was this. I mean, this year was, I think my first year going, but the the schedule would start at like 2 p.m. So even if you were had the worst hangover of your life, you still could probably make it to the first event. And then they do like one at two, one at six, and then it's just uh you know meet up at this area for for drinks. And I thought that that's really nice because I personally hate the anxiety of feeling like oh there's too much going on. I want to go skate with my friends, but there's no time because I want to see Sean Hale grind over the quadruple rainbow rail or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so I don't know, that's just like something that I've, I've taken from the events that I like, which is just not jam packing it with too many, too many like things on the agenda. I would, I would say the other thing that like that, Phoenix and the Phoenix area has going for it. Um, cause I know you guys are super distinct about like where Scottsdale starts and where Tempe starts, but to me, it's all Phoenix. Um, like no, what's rad about it is, is it McDowell. Has, it's super easy. <laughs> <laughs> it has this really kind of like 
three to eight ring circus element where there are so many parks, right? And it could there can just be things going on, right? Um, the one the event we we don't ever discuss here because I don't think a lot of um, Americans make it over there is the Vladimir Film Festival in Croatia, um, which mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to this year, and I, I hated it because it's it's. The I mean, it's one of my favorite events of the sort of like skate calendar. Um, and one of the reasons it's my favorite event is that the daytime pretty much is yours, right? You're in this totally beautiful place. The you're, the ocean is there. Um, there are these parks to skate. And then it, you know, they don't, they don't pack the nights in, but the nights are like, it's a film festival, you know? So it's not, it's not high pressure like, People have got to be on. We're gonna have this panel. We're gonna we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of of what's important about skateboarding. It's it's more um, this really wonderful balance of daytime is for skating and chilling, and then nighttime is for like enjoying and appreciating the fact that skaters make things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like there's room for that kind of in what you're doing. You know, like it could be a reading of a bunch of people reading. Um, you know, like we did at Pushing Borders a couple years ago of like just reading things like, oh, here's the letter where or here's the email you sent your dad coming out. Like, let's read it and let's see how that goes. <laughs> and like, um, you know, so I, I think for me, the sort of sweet spot is what we're discussing in terms of freedom to be at one of the many really good and some of them totally ridiculous parks in the Phoenix area and then at night like there is a thing but it's not you know if you're missing it you're not a bad person you know you're not you're not the person who bailed on the panel discussion you're just the person who didn't go to hear the people read the poems or whatever like I don't know a lot of this comes down to what you know a, a different version of what you were saying about like kind of missing out like it's not FOMO but you do feel a responsibility in these things to, to make sure that you're maximizing it. Um, and I think if you can minimize that sort of pressure, you've, you've done something good. Yeah. I think from like an event organizer perspective, I always put so much pressure on myself. Like it's gotta be everything to everybody. You've got to do a little bit of everything. And I think like what I learned this year and even in this discussion talking about your event, Ryan is like, I don't know, do a little bit less and you don't have to do it for everybody. Like, you know, and I, I also think like a lot of, the way in which we like maybe would measure success for an event might be wrong. Like to me, it's like, you know, I have pressure from like sponsors to get a certain amount of views maybe, or get a certain amount of photos that are good enough to be in this article or that thing or whatever. Um, you know, attendance numbers, like, you know, it's, but it's like, maybe like the measures of success could just be like fun. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of, calling into question everything I've ever thought about <laughs> event organizing. But <laughs> I just wanted to say that, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do a lot of different things. And what I'm reflecting on is just like, do a little bit less and let people kind of do their own thing. Just bring people together. It's kind of the and point of the, the event. And let the city do work, right? I mean, that's what Copenhagen gets so right. And what we were just saying about Dime is like, the city is an asset. And and I don't think yeah. anybody knows that better than skaters. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. We don't We don't need to be guided through like, here's the city, you must go here, you must go here at this hour. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's great to be in Phoenix in February. Like, th- the reason we go there, my me and my 40-year-old friends, is that, like, we just want to be out of winter. We want to be in a place where we feel, you know, alive and a little bit of warmth. And wear yeah. your jorts. 
And where are George? And you can open carry on the session. That's like, you, you know. Can, you can drink whatever you want. You can skate with a cop. You have guns. You can do whatever I thought, you want. I thought you were talking about let the city, like, literally support. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Carrie, I thought that, Carrie too. Lake, our psychotic, like, MAGA former newscaster gets elected governor, they're going to give us probably, I'm probably expecting the same level of support as they get in uh, Copenhagen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But that's that's actually a really good point. And we'll see actually uh, when this comes out, because there's just in a couple of days, there's uh, our close friend of the show, Tim Ward, is organizing a, a skaters who bike ride. And it's a it's a bike ride with skate stops from Tempe to Scottsdale. And, and I think that that just going to different places in nice weather where you can see, you know, whether it's one of our beautiful artificial fake lakes or the secret garden at Arizona State University, you can just be in pretty cool outdoor spaces and or you can hike, you can, you know, climb a mountain or whatever. But as long as you're doing like active stuff outside, uh, the city provides that. Um, I think that stuff. um, The one thing that I, I don't know if we, you're in a position to be doing, but the, the one thing that I really, I, I didn't see at Waffen, what gave me the, maybe the most FOMO about me being 3000 miles away from it was that there was a, there was a Paramore, there was a uh, pop punk cover band. Uh, and, the, and the, you know, they played whatever. I like Paramore. It's fine. And then at, okay. uh, at the Glory Challenge, they had a hardcore show from uh, the dude Connor, who's one of the announcers. He has a band called Phase, which is a really good hardcore band. I didn't know he was in it. That's sick. Sick ass band. And and the two bands that played before, like, forgive me for, for missing them, but... Um, they were really good too. And what happened was they had uh, taken an outdoor event because of the rain and they were like had to find a last minute venue and they're like, we're going to let in, you know, it's kind of a bummer because some people got excluded, but they're like, we're going to let in about half as many people into this room. We're going to pack, you know, to capacity, 200 people in a room for a hardcore show. And it's like, dude, anybody who's been in a pit knows that like the worst thing to a pit is space. So it made it, you know, in that little can, it just, it made it come alive. So some sort of, you know, lively music and, and a tight space that like, that shit is always exciting. After Phoenix Am, there's always a show, you know, AJJ played one year, Bad Brains played another year. Uh, I think Wu-Tang was two years ago or, you know, some of the members from it, but it's like, when you get the, the excitement of like, music to cap it uh that is one of my fi- absolute favorite things that uh you know i don't know skating and music and that shit is just like the best so we got bikes we got poems we got sun we got tempe we Show got vibes. in and out we got and a hardcore show. <laughs> we do hiking. have we do have in and out you should just say how close uh uh downtown tempe is to in and out okay but speaking of which I, one of my event things that I always try to do at WAF is free food. So that's just my idea. I just feel like people always forget to eat. What? I said, that seems ambitious. How do you, how do you organize or how do you get that to happen? Well, it doesn't have to necessarily be like 
super fancy food, but like, I don't know, in the morning, like we had like coffee and donuts and like bagels and stuff. And then at other events, we just got like bananas and like granola bars and different like snacks and stuff. Cause I just feel like that's one thing that'll make people leave an event is if they're hungry. And so if you want to gather people and or make it like more accessible, getting like donated food, or even if you just get like a food truck to pull up just so that there's like Mm -hmm. access to food and water. We also worked with um, Liquid Death and like a couple other beverage companies and they donated a ton of beverages. And so we were able to have like coolers with ice and water and stuff, which um, one year we kind of learned that the hard way. Like a lot of people were dehydrated and sweating like profusely. And like, (laughs) we were like, we need water on the course. Like it was like a panic (laughs) moment. Um, So definitely made it a point to have like water at every event. So that's I think a good thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough once you also just like remove all of the infrastructure that you have in a place like Copenhagen or Malmo where you're just like, yeah, you have to rent a car because Phoenix is built like (laughs) it's a fucking disaster. Um, And, you know, like so those are like those elements you're kind of running into all the time, which is like, all right, what if we try to do this event that you did in Europe with way better infrastructure, but you actually have to remove all that and have all these barriers <laughs> that, you know, you can't drink in public, you can't drink at the event. Um, so I don't know. It's, t- it's something to think about, but it does present a lot of challenges. I think permits yeah. are also kind of a nightmare, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the <laughs> annoying things to deal with, with event organizing is the different spaces and stuff and different like rules. Like one of the things for WAF again is like, I try to have everything be all ages um, so that everybody can get in everywhere. And there's, I don't have to worry about minors um, in a space they're not supposed to be in or whatever, but I actually got a complaint email the other day that someone's like, this event said it was all ages. They went to the Nora karaoke party, which is at a skate shop at like 9 30 PM um, Mm -hmm. on weekend night. And there wasn't very child friendly. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. When we said all ages, we just meant like 18, 19 year olds can come in. They don't need to be 21. But I kind of learned the hard way that some people might interpret all ages as like a family event. So I was like, oh, fuck. They're like, definitely my not year old f- girl got hammered. <laughs> <laughs> you drink June shine? Apparently there's alcohol in it. <laughs> but yeah, all agesness is important, especially in the States, I feel like, because the drinking age is 21 and not like 18. Yeah, yeah. Did the panels at WAF go over well? I feel like that's like a cool thing to see in person. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, I think panels, if it's overdone or there's too much or you don't get the right people on them, it can feel like people are just talking in like buzzwords and you're not really like learning a lot. So um, definitely making sure we're asking the panel hosts, I think are really important, making sure they're asking people to speak to their personal experience, not talk in general terms, making sure you have people that are good at talking. Um, Yeah. And have something cool to say, have stories to share. I think that's when they get interesting. Like Marby killed it on the panel. She's Jay great. did really great on she the panel. Alex was on the panel. She's amazing. Maybe you guys have heard of her. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's about the right people. Um, I feel like sometimes people try to throw panels together. Like, yeah, we'll just like get a couple pro skaters up there. And it's like, not mm-hmm. everyone is meant to have a microphone, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or what What if we did an hour of origin stories and 30 minutes of panel? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Sorry yeah. to exactly. PTSD, uh, Kyle. <laughs> I was rubbing his face. Yeah. Something that I've wanted to see at an event because I don't get out that much is like 
there's a lot of stand-up comics that aren't great, like skater stand-up comics, but there's a couple that are really good. Yeah. Um, there's one person in Southern California, I can't remember her name, but she's a skate like a girl kind of. Anyway, I'd love to see stand-up comedy at at uh, skate events. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's that guy. Uh, he's a Bowen? He's 35th North. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a couple. There's Chris Bowen. Fairbanks, too. Yeah, there's like a couple dudes and there's a couple women that are like skate or skate adjacent comics too yeah i think that would be that would be really fun because i don't think i've ever seen that before at a skate event that would be sick um i may know some people i I also would say that um the sort of low impact events where it's like it's open and you walk through and there's not like a show right like like an art show right where yeah. it's kind of sort of there's a space you got ga- you gather you peruse you can come and go as you please um i think that's a really good way to kind of balance something with the sort of low pressure of come and take it however you want you know the 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 sort of start time end time mm-hmm. we lock the we close the door you're in take your seat you're sitting down until the end of it like you know that can be a little that can get overwhelming yeah yeah and i think like you know looking back to pushing borders which was incredible you know don't want to dig on those guys at all but if i had any critique it's that too much of highbrow dense panel style conversation with skateboarders they're just like i just want to go skate and a lot of people felt that way and i something i think about a lot is that most events that i go to that are really good are a little hell ride for me and a Mm -hmm. little like overboard with like oh my god we're getting hammered again tonight and then we're gonna skate this spot going 30 miles an hour where you're like (laughs) i'm basically thinking like long beach event yeah, what you is the cost of getting hurt right event. here? The vertical spliff or whatever the fuck Dude. it was. That was incredible. It was a nine-footer, baby. Yeah. Dude, dime I guess has four and like... a half feet of weed. Yeah. <laughs> more, more power to the skaters who want to do that. But for me, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I like to do a little bit of a mix of, of all things, which is like have some high-intensity events, have some very low-intensity. Like we're going to skate a skate park that's super low stakes. You can hang out here for hours and just kind of – kick it with people and then can we recreate that bobby pulio alley (laughs) we can't can't do that (laughs) right it sounds like you're gonna have an incredible event man i can't wait to come yep you're gonna help me plan it buddy all right (laughs) one thing that i've never seen that i always thought would be funny is a contest but it's like you have a team and like everyone's scores get like added together or something i think that would be pretty funny I like fun. tagging in. Like, have you Tag ever played a, 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 <laughs> like a, a, a team game of skate yeah. where it's like, oh, I oh, can't yeah. do this trick. You do this. Phone a friend. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, <laughs> to be honest, I think that would be really funny is to, like, kind of bring a team spin on, like, maybe a traditional type of skate event, like a game of yeah. skate or a skate contest or oh, something yeah. like that would be kind of fun. Yeah. A, really a team funny. game of skate would last, like, days. Maybe. Like, uh, well, as long as, yeah. I mean, everyone's I think, got that. I think you could play with the rules a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you get a letter if, like, you do three tricks in a row that your opponent just does or your opposing team just does. You know, like, yeah. you have to yeah, pick yeah. hard enough tricks that, you know, you can do three in a row that they can just do and you can just do, you know, or something like that. I feel like yeah, you could yeah. mess with it a little bit, but I like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I got injured this year and I couldn't skate for five months and I got really into watching hockey and, 
other sports like women's basketball and <laughs> football and shit that yeah, i'm Kristen, just a jock you, now but i don't know same. god it's yeah. crazy Kristen, huh? you, that happened you to shouldn't us. skate tempe anymore right like didn't you get broke off again at perry <laughs> well that, um, that's in phoenix yeah <laughs> okay my, my bad she's checking all the cities off her I list just, I don't know. I really wanted to go skate Perry and I was having a great time and I was learning 5-0 switch crooks and I did a couple 5-0s on the ledge. I was like, ah, it's not that waxy. But I forget that like wax is just fundamentally different in different climates. Where I come from, if you wax an area, it pretty much stays in that area. It is not melting. Arizona, not the case. Wax was everywhere. So I got into the 5-0 and as I went to try to get into switch crook, I like completely... Yeah, slipped out, but it wasn't as bad as the other time. Like I thought I did what I did before. So I sort of freaked out. I could hardly walk. It was really painful, but it was honestly just a bruise and it was better within like five days. Um, what I did before is I had the bruise, but I also had a deep uh, tissue injury, which was in between my pelvis and my like lower backbone, um, my SI joint, my sacroiliac joint. I sprained that, which is a 12 week injury. So. That's don't awful. recommend it but i do recommend perry park it's a great place um just mm-hmm. watch out for the wax <laughs> yeah we don't use wax in i wonder who's waxing everything yeah i, I know it's really weird Jeez. It, I, somebody did a switchback nose bunt there i can't imagine it's the culprit <laughs> <laughs> um, well guys i'm excited to see you all in tempe come february i can't wait and then i'll probably see you all at phoenix am right Kyle, I'm actually yeah, pro Ted, so I can't. It's go. me and Cannon. I have some bad news, Kebs. Uh, I have talked to the people at Meow. We are bringing you back uh, for, <laughs> for, for one final gotta- one showing. I, I think Ryan and I talked about that once where it, it's like if you haven't if you're a pro and who hasn't had a video partner year, you have to go to Phoenix Am to like prove yourself. <laughs> I love that. Dude, let's do that event. Yeah. So, so it's like, you know, I kind of go through it and, and revoke pro cards like, hey, mm, I don't know, Mason, where was the part this year? Like, let's get you back in with Gavin Botker. Um, <laughs> I know the real team like the back of my hand. Great, guys. I think we did it. I, I just want to do one one lightning round question to, to each of you. And I'll just ask you one at a time. Should Mikey give the footage back? Ryan? Uh, No. Kyle? I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking <laughs> no, about Mikey. You're talking about the guy, the, the polo, the yes. guy, the, the, the preppy guy. guy. Yes, he yes. has the clips. I think if he does a kickflip, he can keep the footage. Very nice. Ooh. Alex? <laughs> uh, give the footage back. Kebs? Yeah, I'm team give the footage back, but I don't know. Maybe Dalton has the cliffs. I don't know. That dude needs to step yeah. <laughs> Dalton, Dalton, Dalton's under really contract by IC. Deal, but Dalton kind of seems like low-key the sickest of, of the of the crew. I don't know that much. I know that Dalton had an IC contract, though. So the, the, yeah. the clips are IC property. It's just yeah. whether or not they should be given to the to logan yeah no yeah we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to stick with management on this one you don't you don't you don't get those clips respect <laughs> yeah. um it's a, it's a, a a blood blood oath <laughs> respect <laughs> um I'm, I'm i'm like team pr damage control i'm like fuck it dude that like and as someone who who has to manage hard drive space 
Nah, just clear the clips off your own hard drive. Give, you know, yeah. give it back and say, you know, that that was a weird episode in our past and we're past it. That's my feeling. I'm glad that we all got to the bottom of it. Guys, I think we did it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yay. Um, I'll, the, only, I'll be... the only podcast defending Mikey Alfred. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the universal <laughs> position. Yeah, oh God, I, I'm, I'm taking consensus that we are the, the universal only yeah. Mikey Alfred defender podcast. <laughs> uh, you guys can't see great. us, but we're all wearing really sick polos right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a sweater that like comes down over the front of, and I've tied the sleeves in front of my chest. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, we look great. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you, everybody, for listening. Our intro music is by the band Roar. Our outro music, or credits music, I don't know the difference, is by the wonderful Dylan Brine. And our logo and graphic design is, as always, by Michael Warfel. We got credits for the ProFlow tier coming up. Lauren!